welcome to another episode of Historical and Mysterious. And uh, as you are probably noticing right now, I'm the only one speaking. No noise from the other host. That's because my co-host, Jay, is not here. And you're probably wondering, oh, oh the last episode. You know, I'll, this is for uh, both of the listeners that we have <laughs> who listened to the last episode and have been listening. Uh, but... Uh, he, as you know from the last episode, Jay flew home to see his family in California for Christmas and New Year's, and we talked about how we were going to pre-record an episode uh, to release at this time, and then have our first guest host, which is still going to happen, scheduled. But uh, unfortunately, the pre-record did not happen. Uh, Jay got super busy at the last minute, his job worked him to death at the last minute, and... Uh, as I think I also mentioned in the last episode, my mother was flying in to visit me, and her getting here turned out to be extraordinarily stressful. So, with canceled flights and spent nights elsewhere, so trying to deal with that, and the pre-record just didn't happen. But that, uh, fortunately, gave way to the show's first solo episode with me, Ian, apparently. And uh, uh, since it is Christmas Eve when I am recording this and releasing it, Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Okay. There, there's a cute guy on Netflix. I'm, I'm watching Netflix. Okay. So, all right. Um, anyway, this is the first, this is the first solo episode and it is the Christmas episode since it is December 24th, Christmas Eve, uh, for me and many other people and a date, uh, some other date for other people. Uh, but First of all, uh, since I mentioned a cute guy on Netflix and that reminded me of something, how was your week, Ian? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, my week was very good. I spent most of it working, like most adults, and uh, I took up watching a couple new series on Netflix. Uh, the first one, and the one I am currently watching but muted right now, is called Amazing Hotels, Life Beyond the Lobby. And uh, the hosts are really cool, and it's it's not just like, oh, here's what it's like to spend a night at this hotel. No, it's here's what it's like to be in the life of this hotel and running it and how it works and it's functioning. It's, it's really cool. And uh, I'm on the episode, I believe it's the second episode of the series, where they go to Africa, and there's a hotel where giraffes are featured, and they can literally poke their heads in the windows, and you could feed them. It's amazing. Um... And I just saw this guy who's a pilot, apparently. He flies uh, what I like to call a puddle jumper. It's a tiny plane, like literally a, a four-seater. And uh, he, 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 was, he was really cute, and that distracted me. Anyway, um, but th that's, this is one new amazing show. The other new amazing show, and to be perfectly honest, the, the only reason I started watching it as well is because I thought the lead was cute. I know, I know, whatever. Um, was, yeah, this show is called The Windsors, which obviously, as you can imagine, is about the royal family. Um, but as an American, and as I uh, would think as the average American, you know, if you watch The Windsors, yeah, you could tell it's a comedy, it's, it's, it's a farcical, it's all this, after the royal family, and there's a couple jokes that are running even over the pond that, you know, translate, and it's like, haha. But, you know, I do feel like a lot of it would be like, all right, whatever. But l conveniently enough for me, for the past six months, I have been obsessed with all things British and 
uh, royal family specifically, just because it's like it's something I never really got into before, and it just seems very interesting to me now for some odd reason. I don't know. And uh, just Netflix, uh, thank God for you, because you have everything British. So many documentaries, so many uh, uh, documentaries about the royals, about the, the royal family, the Windsors, uh, Diana, oh, Diana, oh. The princess is not dead. She is very much alive on Netflix. <laughs> so much on her <laughs> on uh, on Netflix, but it's fascinating. And uh, so, you know, watching all of that, you know, religiously at this point, I would say, I, I pretty much, when I started watching this series, I got all of the jokes. I It was hilarious. And also the guy playing Prince William, I think, uh, Hugh Skinner is really cute. So that was a plus. And uh, what else? Oh yeah, Pippa. Pippa is fucking hilarious. And there's some awesome girl action in that movie. I don't mean, guys, I don't mean girl action like that. I mean girl fights. There's some awesome chick fighting in that show. Obviously, where st- stunt doubles were used and punching and backflips, but it was it was hilarious. Uh, anyway, so uh, that was my week working in Netflix and being alone in my apartment, which you know is is nice. It's nice, but I mean it's kind of boring. Anyway, um, so. This Christmas episode, I thought I would basically uh, go over uh, random facts and details regarding different Christmas celebrations, or different holiday celebrations, sorry, Um, including Christmas, of course. Basically, the three, or the four I'm going to cover are, uh, of course, Christmas, Hanukkah, uh, Kwanzaa, and uh, Saturnalia, or Saturnalia, I'm going to say Saturnalia. Uh, and those are the main ones I could think of, and I got up details on, and after about four and a half pages of notes, I was like, fuck it, that's all I'm doing. I know there's other ones, I'm sure, but I'm not doing it. So, so, um, I'm gonna start with Christmas, you know, random facts and stuff, and I, I'm not gonna cover everything, of course, you know, uh, just things, these are primarily things that I didn't know, or if I did know them, I, I thought they were really cool and wanted to include them this year. So Christmas, uh, the occurrence of the uh, nativity apparently resulted in many wars. In the first couple of centuries of Christianity, controversy over whether or not Jesus was divine at birth uh, created much political and social upheaval that frequently broke out into full warfare, which after reading that, you know, makes sense. Uh, in the book of A Christmas Carol, Scrooge does not celebrate the holiday with the Cratchits but instead with his middle-class nephew. I mean, I had no idea. Every every adaptation you've ever seen of that, he celebrates with the Cratchits, cause, and then he holds up the little boy and he says, Man, I'm just everyone, yeah, or whatever the fuck. And uh, his nephew, what? But, okay. Um, telling scary ghost stories is an old Christmas Eve tradition that died out in the 19th century, which... That's actually unfortunate, and because uh, that actually sounds pretty cool, you know. I, I could imagine uh, telling scary ghost stories on Christmas Eve at night by only the light of the, uh, lights of the Christmas tree. You know, that that'd be really cool. Um, and I'm really kind of intrigued as to why that would be one of the traditions that died out, as opposed to 
any of the others that we still have today, you know, because that one sounds pretty cool and, you know, not hard. Anyway, I'm not a historian, so I can't tell you, but it's something I looked up and I know for a fact because I never heard any ghost stories on Christmas Eve, only on Halloween. Uh, some zoos accept donated Christmas trees as food for their animals, and I thought that was really cool. You know, a way to be efficient in recycling, and you know, and if you didn't know that, now you do. And you know, but it, as I stated, some zoos. So you know, if you think that's a cool idea, call your zoo before you just drive over there with your tree. You know, see if they they will accept that vegetation. Uh, during the Christmas of 2010, the government of Colombia covered many trees in the jungle with lights. When one would walk by these trees, the lights would go off, lighting banners that said to lay down your arms. Uh, these banners were targeted to the FARC, or FARC guerrillas, otherwise known as terrorists, uh, which 331 of them did, and re-entered society. The campaign won an award for strategic marketing and strategic marketing excellence. During the Christmas of 1914, oh, this this next one goes under ones that I already knew but thought were cool and wanted to include. Uh, during the Christmas of 1914, in the midst of World War One, a truce was held between German and the UK lines. Uh, they decorated their shelters, exchanged gifts. Uh, across no man's land and played a game of football uh, or what we call here soccer between themselves uh we frequently abbreviate christmas to and okay this is back in a territory where i actually didn't know this uh we frequently abbreviate christmas to uh the letter x mess because of ancient tradition x is the greek letter quote, chi, which is an abbreviation for the word Christ in Greek. So really, it's just Christmas, but in Greek. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Oslo, Norway gives London a Christmas tree for their Trafalgar Square each year in gratitude for their assistance during World War II. In 1918, as well as uh, for the past 40 years, the Canadian province of Nova Scotia has sent the city of Boston a giant Christmas tree as thanks for their support after the 1917 Hal- Halifax explosion. So, a lot, uh, lot of thank you trees given out. Uh, Christmas shopping accounts for one-sixth of all retail sales in the U.S. Uh, annually. The Germans made the first artificial Christmas trees out of dyed goose feathers. Hmm. I feel like I could fall asleep on that. Uh, according to analyzed data of Facebook posts, two weeks before Christmas is one of the mo- one of the two most popular times for couples to break up. However, Christmas Day is the least favorite day for breakups. Uh, sounds ironic, but makes sense. However, I would definitely be in um, the breaking up before Christmas camp, uh, honestly, because. Well, think I, the way I see it, I I don't want to spend that Christmas of my life making memories with someone that I don't want to be with. What what are you doing? Oh, I'll just do it after Christmas, oh, honey. No, all right. Um, and aren't you being a little dishonest? All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> Jay's not here to stop me. 
Uh, blah, blah, blah. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Oh, I'm down at the bottom. Uh, Guinness World Records has also mentioned the tallest Christmas tree at 221 feet tall at Douglas Fir, which was displayed at the Northgate Shopping Center in Seattle, Washington in 1950. Uh, traditionally, Christmas has had three colors deeply associated with it, green, red, and gold. Uh, the green represents life and rebirth, the red, the blood of Christ, and the gold, which represented both light and wealth. Uh, Christmas trees usually grow for about 15 years before they are sold, and Christmas trees have also been sold in the U.S. since 1850. Uh, the origin of the Christmas stocking allegedly came from the story of three sisters who were poor and had no dowries and were therefore doomed to a life of prostitution, or for you woke people out there, sex work. Uh, however, this would not come to pass as St. Nicholas of Smyrna, uh, the precursor to Santa Claus, uh, crept down their chimney and generously filled their stockings with gold coins. All right, that's Christmas. That's what I have. That's what I'm doing. Get over it. It's going to be a short episode, I think. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Probably. Uh, Hanukkah. All right, so I'm going to give a little, uh... I'm going to give a little brief summarization of the origin story, I guess, of Hanukkah. Um, I surmise, I'm not Jewish, um, so if I get anything wrong, please forgive me. <laughs> but uh, as a little bit of backstory, in 165 BCE, the Maccabees, an army of Jewish rebels, I don't know if I call them rebels, but uh, Jewish people, conquered the Syrian Greeks who had outlawed Jewish practices and defiled the Holy Temple in Jerusalem by putting an altar of Zeus in it and sacrificing pigs. The Maccabees then rededicated and reclaimed the temple, and although they only had enough oil to light a lamp for one day, the oil miraculously went for eight days. So, that's kind of the back, a brief backstory of the holiday, or why we, or why we, why Jewish people uh, celebrate um, the holiday, in short. So, Hanukkah isn't the biggest Jewish holiday, even, really. I found that to be, okay, so I found that to be quite amazing, actually, because Hanukkah, it was the only Jewish holiday I even knew about until I got way older in my life, like early teens, mid-teens, and then I was like, oh, wait, there's other ones? Oh, there's, there's comedians make jokes about how Jewish people never have to work because they're always having holiday, like, oh, ha, you know... And I, I had no idea, so I thought Hanukkah was the biggest one, and there's candles and, and, and gifts and all that. But here's the thing. Here is the thing. It's not even in the Torah. Yeah, the Torah makes no mention of Hanukkah. Uh, holidays that are considered to be more important and that are actually in the Torah are holidays like Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, uh, Passover, but, uh, turning the page, uh, but the reason Hanukkah fools, 
I think pretty much every non-Jew on the planet into believing that it's just the absolute tits in Judaism is merely due to its proximity to Christmas. But uh, because of this particular's m- this particular minor holiday's proximity to Christmas, it was made uh, there was more emphasis put on it by the Jewish people, specifically uh, American Jews, uh, during the uh, early. 20th century and going forward and i think just primarily not only out of convenience but just out of practicality you know because it is an important holiday make the most out of it and you know it's easier to make a big celebration out of it when it's so close to christmas usually that everyone around you celebrating anyway it it just makes sense um anyway I, i lost my place So, because Hanukkah usually occurs in December, around Christmas, the American Jewish population... I already went over that. Uh, Yeah, and... Oh, also, the world uh, followed suit with this after a while. Like, even in Israel, Hanukkah became a much bigger deal. Um, A lot of... Oh, yeah. A lot of fried foods. A lot of fried foods. And oil. Uh, Fried in oil as a celebration of the miracle of oil... Uh, common foods are latkes. I, I hope. I by the way, I hope I'm saying these right. I just got a text. All right, whatever. Uh, sorry. Um. So anyway, I hope I'm saying these food items right. Latkes, uh, otherwise known as potato pancakes. Uh. Okay. So this is the one I'm gonna get wrong. Suf or suf ganiyot ganiyot. Sufganiot, or jelly donuts, kugel, or kugel, I think kugel, uh, noodle or potato casserole, and gelt, chocolate coins, which, thank you, please, so much. Um, Hanukkah bounces all over the place. Oh, yeah, no. Okay, so when I wrote this, I was saying it in a New Jersey Jewish person's accent. Uh, Hanukkah uh, bounces all over the place. Sorry. Um, Because Hanukkah is based on the Hebrew calendar, uh, there is no set Gregorian date range for the holiday, even though it starts on the 25th day of the Kislev uh, month. Yeah, on the the Kislev month, uh, which correspond to a date anywhere from late November to late December. So anywhere from late November to late December, you could have Hanukkah. And it's eight days. So, you know, that's a pretty wide range. It's not necessarily exactly during Christmas uh, per se. In fact, in 2013, oh yeah, in 2013, Hanukkah overlapped with Thanksgiving, which gave rise to the countless Thanksgivinga memes and jokes about cranberry-filled Here's that word again, sufganiyot, sufganiyot, and sweet potato latkes, which actually sound pretty good. Um, oh, you think, oh, um, yeah, little thing about the menorah. So, there's a whole fucking thing about the menorah. It's that uh, candles, well, it's not just a candlestick, but for the layman, it's uh, that candlestick that has nine prongs, I guess, on it. The middle one is a little bit taller. 
Um, so you think, oh, I'll just get a 10 pack of candles for the menorah. Uh, think again. You're going to need almost 50 of them motherfuckers. Oh yeah. Because you're lighting each night of Hanukkah. So you're going to go through and you let them burn. So you're replacing the it's and you go through until uh, anyway, I'll explain. You're going to need exactly though, 44 candles. Uh, which, it, like I said, is what you'll need for the men- um, to celebrate Hanukkah with the menorah. Uh, now, Hanukkah menorahs or Chan- I think it's pronounced Chanukia or Chanukia. I- I- I'm not sure which. Have nine branches, eight for each night, plus a helper candle. What's called a helper candle? Sorry, uh, called a shamash. That lights the others. I think it's called, I think it's pronounced shamash. Uh, you light the candles from left to right, lighting a new candle, uh, candles for the previous days, and the Hilpo candle each night. Hence, you'll need 44 candles to celebrate Hanukkah. Since you light two candles the first night, three the second night, and four the third night, and so on and so forth. Uh, also, it is forbidden to do anything productive with the menorah candles except the shamish candle. Because, I, you know, the shamish candle is practical by nature by lighting the others. But the others are not supposed to be, and they stay for the whole night. So, you know, yeah. You have to take that one out and use it or just not use it at all, I guess. Uh, at least 17.5 million donuts are eaten in Israel during Hanukkah. So... Wow. I mean, Israel's a small country. It's a powerful country, but it's small. Um, and that's a lot. Oh. That's creepy. All right. Uh, it, that, but that's a lot of donuts for Israel and Hanukkah. I mean, it makes sense, but wow. Uh, the Torah was secretly read and studied through dreidels. I got another text. Ugh, whatever. Okay. Uh, studying the Torah was outlawed by the Greek, so the Jewish people played with the dreidel in order to fool the Greeks if they were caught. Which I thought was pretty cool because uh, it's lots of enslaved groups did uh, had different methods of teaching themselves and educating themselves to a higher degree than what their quote unquote masters uh, wanted them to know. So I just I thought that was a fascinating way. That's also ancient as well that i didn't necessarily know i'm not particularly i'm not jewish i'm not particularly religious so that's not i don't know uh hanukkah has also become a white house tradition which i also didn't know and the very first time the holiday made an appearance at 1600 pennsylvania avenue in was in 1951 prime minister of israel david ben gurion gave uh harry truman a menorah as a gift uh, in 19, wait, yeah, in 1979. Uh, in 1979, Jimmy Carter became the first American president to recognize the holiday publicly by speaking at a candle lighting event hosted by Shabad Lubachev. L- no, Lubavitch. Sorry. Lubavitch. Shabad Lubavitch. Shabad Lubavitch. Okay, I said it right. Kwanzaa! Kwanzaa is the holiday celebrated from December 26th to January 1st and is very new by comparison. 
The word Kwanzaa is derived from Swahili and is translated to, quote, first fruits of the harvest. It's, um, unquote, sorry. Uh, along with seven days of Kwanzaa, there are seven principles which correspond to each day, turn the page again, of celebration. Uh, these are unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. And in that order, each, you know, each principle for each day in that order. Um, uh, Dr. Mal, I think I'm going to say her name right. Dr. Malana Karenga, professor and chairman of Black Studies at California State University, Long Beach, created uh, Kwanzaa in 1966. After the Watts riots in Los, Los Angeles, Dr. Karenga searched for ways to bring African Americans together at, as a community. Uh, the colors of Kwanzaa reflect unity for all people of African descent worldwide. Black for the people, red for the noble blood that unites all people of African ancestry, and green for Africa's rich land. The first U.S. postage stamp for, to commemorate Kwanzaa was issued in 1997. There have been five designs released since. A candle is lit on each day of the holiday and placed on the kinara. The first candle is black, symbolizing the African-American people, Three candles are red, representing the struggles of black people, and three green candles, which symbolize hope for the future, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Obviously modeled after, after the menorah, being such a newer holiday, I, I figured. But that's really cool, I thought. And, uh, oh, uh, the high point of the holiday is on the last day where a feast is made. This feast is called uh, Karamu or Karamu? I'm not sure which. Um, the last day of uh, Kwanzaa or Imani, I think I'm, it's, it was Limini or Imani, I think it's Imani, focuses on the giving of gifts as a way of honoring the creative spirit and reaffirming self-worth. In following this tradition, these gifts are often homemade, which I thought was really awesome. All right, that's Kwanzaa. Now, Saturnalia. Uh this holiday was named after the god of Saturn, god of agriculture, but also of wealth, plenty, freedom, and debauchery. <laughs> um, I, I don't know why that came with a maniacal laugh. Uh, starting as a one-day festival with a feast, it stretched to a three-day occasion involving food, friends, and crazy sex. Uh, yeah, you heard me right, and crazy sex. <laughs> then it became a full week running from December 17th to the 23rd. And yes, it was just all full-out debauchery, craziness, drunkenness running around. Um, during Saturnalia, all public offices and schools were closed. Gambling was momentarily legal, as well as public drunkenness. Uh, these behaviors were not only permitted, but encouraged. There was also no law under this celebration, thus creating a purge-like scenario, which actually seems kind of scary to me. I don't think I would have enjoyed it that much. I think I would have stayed inside. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to be outside. Um, I'm going to be outside smoking this bowl. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'll share. Just don't stab me. 
each household elected a king of chaos to make sure everything went off the rails, which I thought was, oh my goodness. Uh, all social positions in the household were uh, switched. Slaves became masters. Children were regarded as adults. So everything was, uh, it was like opposite day, literal opposite day. You remember that episode of SpongeBob where it was the opposite day and it was just really annoying? This is opposite day, but annoying and dangerous. Like, children are giving the commands. Slaves are literally beating their masters, which I guess is fine. But, I mean, you know, they might kill. I mean, I would probably kill. Anyway, um, if they were mean. But uh, I just thought that was really interesting that, you know— and also the one article that or one um, source that I read up on this uh, during this fact, it, it stated that, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, slaves would be their masters and it would give way to like uh, awkward mornings after, which. Uh, oh, OK. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? But anyway, uh Saturnalia began as a farmer's festival to mark the end of the autumn planting. And the very first Saturnalia was in 497 BCE when the Temple of Saturn in Rome was dedicated. So, those are my holiday celebration facts and stats for you this season, for you this year. Uh, things, a lot of which I didn't even know, which is why I decided to talk about them or mention them. And, yeah, so, uh, I think we're pretty much at the end here for me. It's a half-long episode this week, I know, but, you know, it's only me, so it would be twice as long if my co-host were here, but, you know, you're just gonna have to miss him. I miss him too. It's fine. Fine. But uh, I will have a guest host next week, of course. So it'll be fine. Format will be back to normal. And then hopefully the week after that, we'll see Jay again. So, or we'll hear him again. So, yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, that's about all. You guys have a good one. Happy Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year, everyone. Bye.